Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> <laughs> Unraveled. Written by Daniel Wilcox. Narrated by Josh Curran. The smell reminded him of his parents' loft around Christmas time, of dust and chill and old, a vast contrast to where he had been just a half hour ago melting under the glare of the desert's midday sun. It's stinky, Gideon's little sister, Carmine, complained. She clutched the decrepit material of the bunny rabbit she had adopted as her conjoined twin, one of its eyes holding on to a bare piece of thread, the other merely an X that their mother had stitched together after a failed attempt at removing the stench of vomit and baby shit from the material in the washing machine. Stinky, stinky, stinky. I don't like this, mummy. Their mother cast a sideways glance at their father, rolled her eyes, crouched to Carmine's level. It's supposed to smell like that. Everything in here is old, like older than anything you've ever seen in your life. Older than you and daddy? Their father laughed. Maybe not as old as mummy. 
Gideon hardly paid attention as Carmine exploded into a fit of giggles beneath their mother's fingers. He had been in awe of the pyramids ever since he had seen them in the travel catalogue. Ever since he had begged his school history teacher to tell them all about the ancient Egyptians so that he could find out about the strange world he would soon be visiting with his parents. He had heard of mummies and sphinxes and sarcophagi through television programs, but had never once even considered the possibility that they would be real. As real as the withered corpse of the mummy standing behind the velvet ropes in front of him now. He stared, unblinking, taking it all in. Threads of material wrapped countless times around a body, now stained over time into faded shades of yellow and grey. Where the eyes must have been, the bandages dipped inwards like two breakfast bowls. But his sister was wrong, in part. It did stink, but it was a nostalgic stink. Though he was a far cry away from raiding the loft for Christmas decorations, he could close his eyes and imagine he was there. Somehow the heat from the desert did little to penetrate the colossal blocks that comprised the pyramid's structure as though an ancient spell was at work to keep the contents of the pyramid cool, like a deep freezer preserving the rotting parts of the corpses in a county morgue. Impressive, isn't he? Gideon jumped, unaware that his father had taken his side. Carmine now sat on an observation bench, sucking on a Capri Sun, while mother checked her text messages. You know, only the royals were kept and preserved like this. The Egyptians used to believe that they could preserve the bodies of kings and queens to keep them in a better state for the afterlife. See that coffin over there? Gideon looked to where his father was pointing, a gleaming gold coffin etched in hieroglyphs which painted a story that he would never understand. They'd load the bodies in there and bury them with their favourite things, riches, foods, even their pets, while they were alive. His father nodded. Anything for the king and queen? They'd even booby-trapped the pyramids to stop people from getting to the bodies and robbing the graves. They spent the rest of the afternoon exploring the carpeted walkways of the pyramids museum. Gideon trailed behind, in awe of everything that he saw. Taxidermied scarab beetles the size of his fist, creatures which swarmed and destroyed all that they saw, Great golden statues of desert dogs and cats, huge murals of hieroglyphs which, a museum employee explained, told of great battles and territory wars from years past, of the reign of royalty, of the rise of a civilization surrounded in mystery and magic, magic and dust, dust and cold, bin liners and junk in the attic, the ancient tomb of his house. Gideon shuffled behind his family, kicking up the sand that had found itself embedded in the weaves of the carpet. In front of him, his sister skipped, her stuffed rabbit flopping around carelessly in her hand, stuffing threatening to spill from its neck. A moment later, and she held both parents' hands as they swung her high, reaching a crescendo on the count of three. One, two, three. The bunny rabbit fell. Carmine hardly noticed. Gideon scooped low and picked her up, remembering the moment his father had discovered his old toy in the loft, just weeks after Carmine was born. Gideon had been seven then, too old for toys. He handed her over gladly, 
little knowing the destruction his sister would cause. He stroked its ears back, revealing yet another tear, the glistening black of the rabbit's eyes instantly making him look into the scarab beetle's eyes on the walls. The threads and tears frayed and splaying off the rabbit's body, making him want more than anything to wrap the rabbit up and protect it from further harm. Wrap it up. Protect it forever. He couldn't explain what happened then. Couldn't work it all out. It was a compulsion, like the moment you need to piss and your body directs you to a toilet or the moment you walk across a bridge and feel fate's tug as you imagine what it might be like to jump. The gods of death dragging you to their misery. The moment you stare into the deathly black eyes of your old rabbit friend and see the answer. See the solution in the ways of the old ones who honoured and cared for royalty for years beyond the grave. Without a word, Gideon ran back through the museum, following where they had already come from earlier that day. He found the mummy, cast a furtive glance around the room which, at this late hour, had now grown quiet. Earlier that day, there had been dozens of tourists snapping pictures with their phones, security guards trailing them around the venue, but now it was empty, and the temperature seemed to have dropped. Gideon advanced on the mummy, the rabbit scrunched up in one hand, entombed in his fist in a fleshy bubble of protection. With his other hand, he reached forward towards the loose frays of the mummy's bandages. His own breath rose as white plumes of smoke in front of him. Physical manifestations of the icy cold which now raised the hairs on his back and sent goose flesh down his arms in white lightning currents. It was gritty to the touch, stiffer than he'd imagined. He pulled gently at first and made no progress, pulling harder and harder until the ribbons and threads unwound from the mummy's hand. It grew easier and easier as coils of white snaked around his hands, spiralled to the floor. Very soon, he became acutely aware that he wasn't even pulling anymore. It was as if the bandages had wanted to unravel like they'd craved the release of their bonds for years, waiting for the catalyst to arrive in the shape of a young boy named Gideon. A young boy and his rabbit. By the time the bandage had unwound to the mummy's shoulder, the thread flaked and broke. Gideon stood breathless, a serpent made of ancient cotton in coils on the floor, a mummy with its arm exposed to the air its metal arm, dark and glinting like dark marble. Huh? He thought to himself. He had expected bone, expected rotten flesh and a stink that surpassed anything he might have imagined. Instead, he felt a hand clamped on his shoulder, a torch shone in his face, a silhouette of a man with a security cap on behind its light, shouting and cursing in a language he couldn't understand. 
pointing frantically at the mummy, then back at Gideon. It wasn't long after that when his parents found him and calmed the guard down, scolded Gideon, and made him wind the thread back around the mannequin's arm. His father had to pay a hefty fine for touching the exhibits and causing trouble, and the rest of the vacation would be tarnished after that moment. Not that Gideon really minded. After the experience of the unwrapping, he couldn't help but feel fearful, scared of the moment the bandages had taken on a life of their own, terrified of the moment the guard's hand had clapped on his shoulder, and even now, almost paralysed with fear that there hadn't been enough material left on the mannequin to wrap around one metallic finger. That small thread had found a new purpose. The small white leaf that had broken away from the rest of the mummy, like a spore ready to breed and feed. That thread had since become an eye patch for the little rabbit, wrapped tightly around its head, covering the little X eye that had gone missing in the washing machine so long ago. His parents wouldn't admit it, but that thread frightened them both too. When Gideon had given the rabbit back to Carmine, she had cried and thrown it on the floor. His father had told Gideon to remove the eye patch, but try as he may, he just couldn't. His father had tried, his mother had tried, they'd taken scissors, fire, pliers, anything you can think of, but that little thread remained tightly wound. Gideon's father threw the rabbit in the loft the second they arrived home, stuffed it in a plastic bag, and sent it to the far reaches of the shadows, in the place where the dozy light of the naked bulb would never reach. And they forgot about it. Years passed, Christmases came and went, Gideon grew up, found love, had children of his own, his parents aged never quite realising that the chill that haunted their house had never come from their children leaving for university and living a life away from home, but from something much more dark and strange, an ancient magic that slept away silently in the dark recesses. Just wait down here, darling. I'll see if I can find it. Kathy watched her father's legs disappear into the loft. She looked just like Gideon, only with hair a little lighter and a lot longer. She giggled as she imagined Santa's legs stuck in the chimney top. Gideon rooted around in the darkness, hunting for the missing item. The angel that had decorated his family's Christmas tree for as long as he could remember. Something had thudded and rolled when he had brought the Christmas tree earlier that day, and he thought he knew which way it went. Can you see it? Kathy squealed excitedly. Gideon reached into his pocket and turned on the torch from his phone. He scanned the darkness, not quite believing the amount of junk his parents had collected throughout the years. Trinkets and relics from his past and way back before then. Bin bags, boxes. Daddy? Not yet, sweetheart. You might have to go ask your... Gideon's words trailed off when he saw it. He shuffled back as quickly as he could as terror took him. There, in the darkest corners of his parents' loft, sat the rabbit, one black beady eye dangling from a thread. The eye patch that had covered the other eye now multiplied, wrapping the rabbit from head to toe, taking Gideon back to all those years ago. 
but it was the noise that Gideon would never forget. As the bandages on the rabbit's stomach began to tear open from the inside, he saw it. The things he had seen stuffed and stuck on the walls of the pyramid. The emerald-colored exoskeleton of the scarab beetle, birthed from the dusty attics of his childhood. And in that moment, that dark, haunting moment, all Gideon could think of was reaching forward and unraveling the bandages again. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. Unraveled was written by Daniel Wilcox, narrated by Josh Curran, edited by Carl Hughes, with music by Tom Robson. We want your stories. We're looking to get the very best in horror, thriller and sci-fi stories on this podcast, so we want your submissions. If you're interested, head over to www.hawkandcleaver.com forward slash submissions and give it a go. Why not? You might just scare someone silly. Also, if you'd like to keep up to date with all the latest Hawk and Cleaver goings on, head over to www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Hawk and Cleaver and join our little family we have over there for all the latest natter in today's world of horror, thriller and sci-fi. Until next time.